As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to Power Hour, the Athletics Tuesday National College Football Podcast hosted by yours truly, Nicole Auerbach. I'm thrilled to be joined by my friend and colleague, Michael Felder from Stadium, to break down the biggest storylines in college football this week in an hour or less. And as a reminder, if you enjoy this podcast, you probably enjoy the other podcasts that are on this feed. So be sure to subscribe, rate, and review The Andy Staples Show and Friends. Five stars because, much like Ari Wasserman's favorite recruits, well, we're going to make an immediate impact or we're going to jump in the transfer portal and then go somewhere else because that's also happening. So we got a lot of options, but give us five stars and we, we will get into that portal, Felder. We got a lot. We're, we're going to get into the portal, but first I just want to say again, congratulations, where I do get to do a show with the National Sports Writer of the Year, Nicole Auerbach. It's really Thank cool. You. Super proud of you. You got to go down. You got to get jazzed up and, 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 and do the, you got to do a step and repeat from what I saw. I did. I did. Um, it was, so I was in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So not Shout too out far. the 336. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, I learned while I was there. I've been to Winston-Salem before, but I learned the nickname, The Dash. Yes. The, the, it's a great the, nickname. It's, the great, it's a great nickname. Um, one of my best friends, Ryan Taylor, is from Winston. Obviously, I do some stuff with Learfield. They're, they're in Winston with Hartzell and Server. They live yep. right outside of Winston. So do, they I call love... it the, do they call it the Dash? Yeah, that's the name okay. of the minor league baseball team. Right, but that's just like a good, it's a good name for yeah. a hyphenated place. Yeah, it's um, the Dash. The so Dash. The, the Dash where, is a major part of the triad. The Dash is where the awards thing was. Which um, is awesome. So, you know, I mean, like Jim Nance and all these people like flew to the, we all were in the Dash. Um, and it was, it. it was, it was lovely. Obviously, a step and repeat, very fun. How Good. often do you get to be around step and repeats? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it was lovely, and um, as how heavy? How heavy is that award? Mine was fine. Mine was like a normal glass, like award weight. But they had so they were doing a Hall of Fame for mm-hmm. like it was Nance and Tom Verducci and a bunch of people, and those things like people were like buckling <laughs> under the weight of them. <laughs> it was I and there was this like one woman who like had to hand it to them each time, and I was like. Man, her arm day is like today. Like this is what's happening right yeah. now. But um, no, it was cool. Although I will say, like it was, it was lovely. It was super fun. But there were all of these old timey sports writers that just had in, an endless amount of stories, and they told them, and it was like a five hour ordeal. It was there you go. It was long. But I, my speech was three minutes as requested and all these people came up to me afterwards and were like nicole yours was the best speech i was like because it was the shortest and they were like exactly there you go that's what it takes you get short sweet to the point you knock it out you get you get to go so i'm i'm excited um speaking of short and sweet i think from a transfer transfer portal standpoint it has felt less than drawn out right where we see quinn ewers enter we see him commit to texas we see um Spencer. spencer rattler He's going to South Carolina. He's bringing Austin Stogner with him. So, so okay. So, so let's let's start there about the timeline because we're going to get into Bo Nix and 
and Keaton Slovis and all, all these guys. I mean, it was it was Dylan it was, Gabriel, Max Johnson, yeah, Max exactly. Johnson and Miles. Brown. Who's going to play quarterback at LSU next year? Well, well, they're probably going to have to go in the portal and get somebody. <laughs> I mean, this is this is we're. Gonna, I want to get into the larger implications of this, but let, sure. let, so in the timeline, like if okay, we know Quinn Ewers like took a couple visits. Those were you know well documented, reported, um, and and we know that Spencer Rattler obviously had a pre existing relationship with Shane Beamer. So is it like one phone call? Is it just like Shane Beamer? Like, like these are really fast. Like it's so different than high school recruiting, which gets drawn out and this whole process and you're taking all these visits. Do you think that this stuff is, is the groundwork has been laid in the weeks prior to entering the portal? Like that they kind of have a feel of where they might have interest before they go in, or is this just happening really, really quick? I think it's a, a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. So what we're dealing with is they have these pre-existing relationships, right? So even though you don't go to a school, that doesn't mean you don't still have friends that go to a school or coach, no coaches, relationship with coaches that go to that school. And as we live in, you know, the modern era of cell phone, DMs on IG, DMs on Twitter, the whole deal, you can maintain contact with people a lot easier than when I was in college. When I was in college, if a coach from another school wanted to contact me, which, you know, illegal, illegal, I don't care. If another coach would have wanted to contact me, they they would have had to have my, my, I guess, my cell phone number. But now it's just a Facebook message or it's just a Twitter DM or it's just this. And just be like, hey, man, we're thinking about you. Hope you're doing well, yada, yada, yada. And I also, I wasn't someone that, like, when I was coming, like, I, I went to school in 2003. So my point of contact was still my home phone line. And... So they didn't all have my cell phone number, but now they all have their cell phone number. They all have their Twitter handles. They all have their Instagram handles. They all have their Facebook message, their face, their Facebook information. They have all this stuff that you can stay in contact with these guys. And so, yeah, when you start looking at where you're going to end up, I think there are the reason I said a little column A, a little column B. So the pre-existing relationships, those matter a ton because now it's like, you know, the second choice that I had was this guy, or I really like this quarterback's coach who's now moved to this school, and I really like this this offensive coordinator who's now moved to this school, or they brought him with him to go here. And so you have that pre-existing relationship that you know, that you trust, that you feel good about. And then the other part of it is that ease of contact uh, through the portal, but also just in general, the ease of contact goes a long way to relationships that maybe didn't exist before, and maybe it's a school that a kid wanted to go to, didn't get shown a lot of interest. Guess what? They've changed offensive coordinators or they've changed quarterbacks, coaches, or they've changed playing style. And now they now you're like, I can get closer to home. I can play for a coach that I like, or I can play in an offense that I want to play in. This is a school that's showing me love that didn't show me love before. And all those things kind of factor in. I think that's really I think it's I think it's I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, as you were as you were explaining all of this. It got me thinking about like this is why the rule exists. So yes. the, it's two parts, right? So the portal was implemented in 2018 because coaches were blocking players yes. and they weren't releasing, like they weren't allowing permission to contact. So this basically, like, it's funny because I don't think anyone thought that the, like the phrase transfer portal was going to become a thing. It was just. It, it was just like the, the the literal mechanism to to do this in a way where the coach couldn't block you. And it was just yeah. like, here's so you could put your information, your email. Um, I don't know if anyone has you know seen it, um, what it looks like. It's it's literally just like if a, if a player wants to put their, their email address or a cell phone number, like you mm-hmm. can just list it there and then people can contact you. Um, and that's that's all it is. Like it is not some mysterious place. It is not something crazy it wasn't really again the name wasn't supposed to be a catchy thing but it became a super super easy to to, to make the decision like to, yeah. to do it and then immediately get contact um and and then b you have the second element this year for the first time this is our first real off season with the one-time transfer rule so if you haven't transferred before you can play right away at your next school, and you know that. You know, there's no yep. waivers. Like we, we've we've talked about all these waivers. You know, Justin Fields, all these guys. Like we've waited and waited and waited, and they get their their waivers approved. But now you don't even have to do that. So so if you if you're a quarterback who's transferred before, and now you're doing it, you're gonna have to apply for a waiver. You're gonna have to go through some stuff. Right. But the guys we're talking about, Spencer Rattlers of the world, are they Tell know Gabriel? 
Yeah, they they know that they're going to play right away. Yeah, I mean, so, South, Car- South Carolina is the most interesting one for me because... Because of the pair? The, the, the pair, but also, remember, South Carolina, when we were talking about South Carolina to start this season, they were like, oh, I guess we have to put our GA in at quarterback. Yeah. So... Yeah. Well, and 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 I I would say like the the overall impression was better than expected, right? Year one, Shane Beamer, right, reaching the, a bowl yeah, the, game. I mean, they did a good job. I, yeah. I watching them this year, they they've done a good job. They've figured things out. They've found a way to make it work. I think that's really important to note for sure. I um, hang on, because I'm just trying to think of the scenario that he's walking into, right? And you and you're thinking about first time head coach, but it's someone he has a great relationship with, and. Shane Beamer is someone that has is is known for his relationships, right? Like right. this is, yes. you know, he's going to be personal. He's going to get recruits because he is he's great to talk to and really yeah. like great to build a relationship with. Um, but so that so that's why I wonder too. Like obviously they they had a they needed quarterbacks uh, when you're playing a GA right. like never a great idea. But what is that? So so like is he going to start? I mean obviously you would think he's you're not going to go somewhere that you don't think you're not going to have a really good chance to start, right? If you're going right. to hop in the portal well, and come out of it. That's the next part of the timeline thing though, right? Is it happens quick because of relationships, it's happening quick because of of the ease of contact, but also it has to happen quick because if you can get in there to whether it's participate in bowl practices or to at least be there to do winter conditioning and get into spring football, that's a lot better. You're setting yourself up for success a lot more than these guys, some of these guys who end up leaving after spring ball. When you leave after spring ball, you just get that August workout and you and then you're well, you that, have to go. Well, so all of this stuff is getting sped up because you had the coaching yes. changes happening earlier because of the signing period. Mm-hmm. And then you have this happening so that basically everyone wants to sign early or transfer early so that they are there so that they're everyone gets a leg up. I mean, it's In, it, everything is just chance of playing, yeah. Accelerating, accelerating. So, what do you what about so you were saying like some guys are moving for scheme or individual coaches. Um obviously we don't know where some of these other quarterbacks are going to land yet, so we can talk about them going in the portal, but what about the fit for Rattler? The offense, what do you what do you see? I just I I'm curious to see the pieces at the end of the day, right? Like that's to me that's the most important element here are the pieces and how they're able to, to stack pieces around them. They weren't remarkably explosive this year. They found a way to get it done. I think the interesting part, at least on my end, is going to be like having Stogner, I think, is a great thing. I think they should have thrown the ball to Stogner more in the in Bedlam, honestly. Um, but they're probably going to lose what? Is it Van? They're going to Van's going to be gone. And so you end up with the next guys on your roster. Jaheim Bell, and you end up with uh, DeKaron Joyner, who's a converted quarterback to to that wide receiver spot. And and the scariest part for me is like saying these names. I know what they did this year, and I'm like, did they enter the portal? I'm not sure, so I don't know. <laughs> and I think the pieces are going to be interesting. I think Spencer Rattler. I don't think Lincoln Riley was lying when he said that Spencer Rattler is the best football thrower that he's had. I don't think he was lying about that. I don't think he was jazz, gassing or jazzing this guy up. I think what it, the, the reality of it is is going to be weapons and offensive line play. And if they can play on the offensive line, then they can make something happen. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. So you you mentioned, you know, who's going to play quarterback at LSU. Um, A&M's down to one scholarship quarterback as well. Like, all of these other places where these guys have left – 
the assumption has to be that they're going to also go into the portal, right? Like, doesn't isn't this essentially become a self fulfilling prophecy in some ways too? I think A and M is an interesting one because they have that kid who is he the the Haynes King, but like, have, but no, no, but the guy coming in this oh, year, yeah, the, the guy coming in, the, the guy coming in this year. Now I'm mad because I can't remember what his name is, and now I have to go. I have to find that so that I know what I'm talking about. But it's one of those things where you look at it. Obviously, Calzada, who he beat Alabama. That's what's wild. My man's beat Alabama, and they're like, doesn't matter. We got another stud coming in. We got Haynes King coming back. We're going to be ready to rock and roll. And so it's going to be interesting um, how this all shakes itself out because this is it's it's tough. And it's I the the thing that I can say though is Connor Wegman. Um, Connor Wegman is the five-star quarterback that they have. And the coolest thing about that is he's like their sixth best recruit because they have all these other five stars at different and he's And he's the number two quarterback in the class, and he's the sixth best recruit. I mean, they have an insane class coming in. So, so. I just want to – I will just say shout-out to, to to people. To, to This is one of those things where people just recognize it like, you can be the best quarterback or the second best quarterback. And guess what? Still not even the best player in your class, which is just – that's a – that's a we talked about it with the Heisman, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. This and this is this is seeing it in motion. So yeah, no, I, I just think that I think that for Calzada, but, but he, he was like, but 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 like, even so, don't you think that these places, like, to me, I think first of all, there's going to be quarterbacks that get stuck in the portal, right? That have nowhere to go. Sure. That will take a place where they might be a third string guy at an A and M or something because well, that's the choice. How do you make that choice? How do you make the choice of? Because I see Jacob Sermon is leaving Central Michigan. Why? Like I'm like like he already left Washington. So how do you how do you make the choice? Do you make if you're leaving somewhere where you are a backup or you feel like you're going to be buried or you feel like you're not valued or you're not a fan of the new coaching you staff obviously or the change, think, and you think you're going to start somewhere else. So that's where you start yes. mentally. Absolutely, you but, think you're going to get picked up. But then if somebody doesn't call, if somebody doesn't answer, if somebody if, if somebody doesn't want. Somebody's like, no, we're dedicated to our guys. We have guys that we like. We like our room. I think there are two, um, two but, but, different, but I two still different think there there are. But some coaches would still say in that scenario that they will accept a transfer for that they don't think is going to play, or you know, just an experienced guy, you know, as an emergency backup type. That's what I was Be- going to get. That's what I was getting at. Yeah, emergency backup, but also. If you've had a guy who's got playing experience, it's still valuable to have in the room as long as they're not like, you know, having outrageous expectations. That's a, that's what I that's the exact thing that I was going to get to is I think that there is real value in I don't care if it, Calzada, Max Johnson, all these guys, even if they don't come in and become your instant starter, your world beater, they all they still bring value to that room. They've still sat there and watched like they've they played against Alabama, they played against um, against Auburn, they played against Georgia, they played against all these teams, and so there's value to them being in that room with, to help your young guys. Well, like an example of this that I continually do forget, I just had to Google to make sure he is actually still on the roster because he's barely played. But like Alan Bowman, yes, who had real experience at Texas Tech, at, yep. is is in the Michigan quarterback room. You don't think mm-hmm. that's been valuable for them? Of course it has. Yeah, and I think that that's and so that's the part I, I'm thinking. Do you see your value in this? And maybe that does alter like you come out, you come out of high school, you're thinking I'm going to set the world on fire, I'm going to the NFL, and then you realize oh, I've got real value in doing this, and I'm going to get my education, and then maybe I become a coach, or maybe I do decide to do something in the in the in you know just the work sector, if you will. But there is still value to that. There's value in that, and I think that that's going to be. That's going to be the reckoning that a lot of guys are going to have to, to figure out. And that's the hard part. It's really hard. And I say this as someone who I thought, hey, when I got to college, I'm going to bust ass on special teams. That'll be good for me. And then the rug got pulled out from under me. We, we changed coaches. We changed our entire defensive system. We should have. We had to. We were 117th in defense in 2003. Guess what? That's horrible. You're bad. And then the new coach came in and he was like, we're going to play two high safeties. And I was like, oh, that's the thing I can't even do. Can't do it. Not going to be good at it. We'll never be good at it. I'm a cover three spin down guy. If you're not spinning me down into the box, I can't do anything. And 
you have to readjust your expectations. And so I was good in the room. I was good at the chalkboard. I was good in the room. I'll never forget, they had me on shadow duty. We got this kid, Martel Thatch, who's a four-star safety from, I think, Dudley High School. He took my number, Not still not thrilled about that, but you know what? The four-star wants number 21. The scrub has to give up 21 and be a double number with Ronnie McGill to be number 25. But they had me on shadow duty in practice, where literally in practice it was get him to where he's supposed to be, and then you get out of the play so that he can play the play, and that's... That's going to be some people's lot in life. And that's going to be, there's value to it. You just have to understand the value. Does that make sense? Like what I'm yeah, saying? Like you, yeah. you have to find that value. Yeah. And, and again, I, I think some of this stuff is like a reality check. I mean, I think, you know, you, you, you always talk about this in, in college football. Everyone thinks they're going to the NFL. College basketball, everyone thinks they're one and done. And, and you, you at some point hit a reality check. I think what's interesting about this wave of quarterbacks, though, is you absolutely have the guys that we're talking about, the guys that are going to be depth, that are going to be – well, maybe depth. Um, this is this is actually sure. like the biggest challenge everyone is facing right now is actually having good depth because the backups are transferring so freely and they can play somewhere else. But these are big-name guys. You said – like we're talking about guys who uh, – players who beat Alabama. These are players who have real experience – of the quarterbacks that are still floating around, so so take Rattler off the off the board. Sure. Who's the biggest get? Like who 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 are we going to say? You know, when whenever they announce their next school, is the the splashiest off season quarterback move? I am I'm very intrigued by Dylan Gabriel, a guy coming from Hawaii that was committed to Army for the longest time, and then ultimately ended up at UCF. And like watching the way that he's elevated what he his stock and what he's able to do I think that's interesting obviously committed to UCLA now which gets him to the west coast and you know that's a, that's a the flight from Hawaii to Los Angeles is way different than going to Orlando so that's going to be interesting I I'm intrigued by him Keaton Slovis is another one that I find interesting especially because he had already played for Graham Harrell who does some of the similar things to Lincoln Riley but I think it feels like there's whether it's writing on the wall or whatnot, he's looking for a fresh start. He doesn't want to start over with right, a new staff in the same place. Yeah, and and obviously, I mean, like Jackson Dart was was really good, and like you yeah. just you you must just be thinking you're not going to beat him out. But the, yeah. I agree. I I did think that that was interesting in terms of style of offense. Um, so I feel like that's a that'll be a winner as, as well. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm so fascinated because this stuff changes realistic expectations like depending on right. who is Brian Kelly's quarterback in year one like that changes the way that we are going to view the yes. Brian Kelly hire at LSU absolutely and I, like listen I'm going to throw I'm going to throw two guys that I understand most people have not seen them play very much most people don't know much about them but Jordan Yates and Cam and Cooper I are two guys that for me I'm just Jordan Yates obviously I have like that kind of a semi-personal connection between knowing his quarterbacks coach and Obviously, being teammates with T.J. Yates, like I, I see, I see, I watch him more intently than probably most most fans that don't care about, don't give a rip about what Georgia Tech is doing. But I love the way, like he's a well-taught quarterback. He's just short, so how does that fit for him? And then Cameron Cooper, I thought was always one of these guys that he reminded me a lot of, like uh, Tanner Morgan, right? Tanner Morgan's at what Minnesota. Cameron Cooper reminded me a lot of that, and they just went in a different direction at Wazoo, and so. He's kind of lost in the shuffle, but I think if he ends up at whether it's a Mountain West school or Conference USA school or MAC school, where he's going to throw the ball forty times a game and it's all going to be passes that are between, you know, twenty-two and 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 eight yards, and he's just going to complete them because he's got such a high hit rate in terms of what he's able to do uh, uh, when he's comfortable in the pocket. I'm intrigued by that because I think that's another thing that we don't talk about nearly enough is there's different quarterbacks for different spots and 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 and. Like Tanner Morgan, when he was committed to Western Michigan, I was like, this is perfect for him. And then guess what? The coach at Western Michigan went to Minnesota. And so they kept finding ways to make him still be successful by doing a lot of the same stuff that he was going to do there. Kenny Pickett's another one. When Kenny Pickett was going to Temple, I was excited. And then he goes to Pitt, and guess what? He's finally lived up to what we thought he could be coming out of high school. So I just think it's about, I think spot is so important. I think, and that's where those relationships come in. Those relationships matter. Those relationships are what counts. Those relationships are what not just get you on the field, but like put you in they they those 
massaging the situation to understand that it's not just a name that I got. It's not just a star ranking that I got. It's not just a, 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 a boost. Excuse me. It's not just a boost in like 24-7 or whatever. What I got is a guy that I really do believe in and that I do care about, that I do trust, and we're going to let him go out and make plays. Right. And and I, I do I want to get into um we're gonna talk a little Nick Saban. You're yes. I know you love you love Nick Saban. Yes, I had I a do. fun project on him that was out this week. So we wanna get into that, but real quick, just to reemphasize this again, I wrote a story in October about how core how coaches just the, the biggest question mark, the hardest thing right now when they're looking at their roster is backup quarterbacks and quarterback depth really good experienced quarterback depth yes and now we're seeing this play out with five-star quarterbacks we're seeing it play out with four-star three-star we're seeing it at all levels and that is going to be a massive story moving forward Mm -hmm. not that you're going to have to have GAs play quarterback at all these places but there's a massive drop-off and it's it cost teams like Penn State it costs teams oh yeah in pivotal the most moments. crystallized example. Penn State is the most crystallized example. Yes. Because if they had Will Levis, it, that it, team maybe looks a little different. And, and it, the, the whole trajectory of the season changes if yeah. they don't just, you know, move backwards for three quarters against Iowa. So well, what do you think about the managing of it, though? Because well, that's so that's what the coaches are saying is the hardest part. Yeah, because you look at what they're doing at Michigan with J.J. McCarthy. I, I think that's the only way that you can kind of do it. And again, not everyone's going to have that situation, but you know, Ohio state had too many guys, right? Too many five-star guys in the same room, but Michigan basically took a five-star kid said, we got packages for you. We're going to get you reps. You're going to get experience in practice. We're going to get you better. But he was clearly okay with not starting as a freshman, Right. right? Like, and I think he was the ha- – I was at the Big Ten Championship game. I'm in the tunnel watching them come off the field. No one was happier than J.J. McCarthy. Good. Like, he was giddy. And so that – it has to be a special personality, but I think it has to be – like, if it's a five-star freshman who is cool, again, like, wants to compete for the starting job but doesn't necessarily expect it as a freshman, but thinks that by sophomore year, like, they'll, they'll be in that position, right. then I think it works. But otherwise, you're either – you know, you're you're probably immediately losing the guy who loses the quarterback competition in in so many different scenarios. There's so few where you're gonna think that someone's gonna just sit and wait, right. and even knowing that you know they're just one one snap and one injury away, and that like it's it's incredibly valuable to be on the team. Unless you're a guy, I mean, well, I was gonna say unless you you know maybe you've got a girlfriend, maybe you're a couple classes away from a major, but. We're seeing guys do that anyway, right? Like guys who've yeah. been in place for a while and, and are entrenched still doing it. So, um, I, you know, I, the coaches I talk to just say that it is, it's really hard because you, you try to be honest. You try to be honest. But that position yeah. is so different from everything else because you can't, really, you can't really share it. And then what happens is when you have your starter – then you and then there's an injury or something. The backup doesn't have the reps that they right. need because you wouldn't want to split the reps so much in practice just on the off chance that something happens because then your starting quarterback's gonna be like, "What's going on? I need all the reps." And also, is this? Are you like reopening this competition? Like it just there's so many yeah. dynamics at play that it does become very hard for coaches to manage. But again, they get paid a lot of money to do this. But th- that is the hardest. I think this is the hardest roster piece. I, I would argue by a lot right now because yeah, it's I, so important. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it. I think it comes down to practice style. You can't run practice the way that I practice football. The way that Coach Bunning did football practices. You have to. And te- we're seeing teams move more into it, whether it's the Chip Kelly model, the Larry Fedora model, where you can't just take, we're going to have 15 minutes of conditioning at the end of practice. And no, you know what we're going to do? We're, our ones, twos, and threes are going to get the same amount of reps every single every single day. They're going to execute. They're going to get the job done. And then conditioning is a part of that because as they run down the field, that next group's going to line up and run it. And the next group's going to line up and run it. And everybody's going to be running. And that's our conditioning. So you have to incorporate that into what you do so that you can get these guys reps. I think the managing of it is interesting um, because quarterbacks can't do anything else. And I think that I do need to say that because quarterbacks can't do anything else. They're not going to be they're Guess what? They're not going to be on punt team. They're not going to be on kickoff. They're not going to be on kickoff return. They're not going to be on punt return. So they can't do anything else. They're not even, at best, the only other thing most quarterbacks can do is be a holder 
on field goal team, which we saw Mac Jones do, obviously. And like, yeah, he played X amount of snaps. What before his before he was a starter, he played X amount of snaps. What were all those snaps? Snapping. Or field holding. goal. Yeah. Holding on field goal. Not snapping. Holding. They they don't like it's not the same as a linebacker or a lineman. Like we used to we used to throw linemen in and they teams throw linemen into field goal. Because field goal gives you a chance to buy them some reps. They get a little bit of contact. They get a little competition. You throw them on that punt team and that spread punt in that back line so they get a chance to do that. You throw your linebackers. All your linebackers are going to be on your kickoff team. They're going to be on your kickoff return team. Your running backs get a chance to, whether it's return punts or be blockers on punt return. Like You get all those things. Your defensive backs are going to be your gunners. They're going to be your jammers. Your wide receivers are going to be jammers and gunners. We saw Jameson Williams get thrown out of a football game for being a gunner. So, like – you can't do that with quarterbacks. Yes, and also, again, in practice, you can't get them the reps that yes. they would need to. And You have to restructure your practice. You have yep. to do – you've got to – more people have to lean into that speed practice. Or they've got to pull guys, convince them to stay after practice to yes. run stuff on themselves. So it, it, it's, a, it's a mess, and it's only yeah. going to continue, um, and you know we're going to see where these guys land. But again, as we're recording this, basically the, the only one we know where they're landing is, is Spencer Rattler, and he's off to South Carolina. Well, let's get to Saban. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about this this story because um, I, I think I told you about this because I've been working on it for a while. Yeah, and it was incredibly fun to work on, and I did it with Aaron Suttles, our Alabama beat writer. And really, what what got me thinking about this was, do you remember like this time last year where there was that Zoom, uh, Zoom like Saban recruiting pitch that leaked, like somebody clearly yes. filmed it and he was like, oh, yeah. we got this many national championships. And so I'm watching it and I'm, I'm listening to him list off these things. And I think all of our reaction was like, oh man, this kid is absolutely getting his offer pulled or, you know, whoever leaked this, whatever it was. But I remember thinking, wow, okay. So he's listing off all of these national titles and how many guys they have in the NFL and all these things. Um, what did he say before he could say all of this? Like this is this is such a specific to right now right. twenty uh, the, the time twenty twenty Alabama, and it got me thinking. I you know I wonder what his pitch was when he was a head coach for the first time at Toledo when he sure. was at Michigan State, and so I wanted to talk to people who were recruited by him at all these stops, and and obviously Aaron um, knows the Alabama guys, and so we wanted to see what was the same, what was different in the pitch, and also one of the things I asked everyone was, what is it about him in particular that allows him to connect with people so quickly because that is something people talk about like my grandma my mom everyone like all these different peoples all these different walks of life um you know how does he do it how does he put people at ease um and then I was fortunate enough to uh, also talk to Saban himself before the season about this Mm -hmm. um and you know it's I just found it really interesting. I'd be curious, you know, what jumped out to you in the story because it's basically a collection of vignettes and and stories, you know, explaining how he makes you feel. Like if you were in the room being recruited by Nick Saban, this is what he would say to you. I am, for everyone who thinks I'm always negative all the time, just I want to tell you, I'm a humongous Nick Saban fan. I've I've read How Good Do You Want to Be a couple times. It legitimately has like streamlined my life. Like you know this about me, hour back, like. I wear the same thing every single day. I never have to think about what I'm going to wear when I get dressed because it gives me time to think about what I'm doing for work stamp from a work standpoint. I am very, I'm hyper-focused on that. And between Saban and this is going to sound crazy, but a lot of fashion designers do the same thing too. They do. Yeah. They, and and so, like Steve Jobs as well. Yeah. That was probably the most famous I'm, example of it. I'm fully in on that lifestyle. It is, I'm in, it's worked out well for me. It's given me the energy to do what I need. I think the Mel Tucker story was probably the most interesting one. I loved that one too. Because, and to go, to go back, to go forward, but you asked, what did he do when he was at Toledo? What did he do when he was at Michigan State? When he, before he had, he, ta- he leaned on the NFL. Mm-hmm. He leaned on the NFL hard. And he was like, listen, I'm, I've been in the NFL. I know how to get you there. I know how to get, Players, I know how to get players ready for the next level of football, the next level of their football career. I know how to do that. And obviously, as you mentioned in the article, he shifted. It's not – he shift is the wrong word. He's added. He's added the college success because he didn't have it early. He didn't have it when he was at Toledo. He didn't have it really when he was at Michigan State. He started getting it when he was at LSU, and then he got obviously the ultimate kingdom when he's at Alabama – but I love that he he 
adds to it. It's one of those things. I think about it with respect to uh, Butch Davis and um, Butch Davis used to show a list of his like first and round, first and second round draft picks, and be like, "I these are the guys that I help get to the next level. Do you want to be one of them?" And it worked because UNC was recruiting really well when he was there. Yeah, and, and and that's what that's what this is, right? Like it's here's my track record, and then here is my personalized plan for for you. For you, yes. For you and you, like obviously, you know, you had Ronaldo Hill talking about like playing a position that he cares about, that he can specifically say like this is how I coach it in the NFL. You know, he still he still is always around his DBs. Like it is a point of pride. He's around yes. them. He's hovering in practice even even now, but like. For for so for him to say that and then back it up and then Ronaldo Hill gets to the NFL and finds out that like he has better technique and other vets yeah. want to steal stuff from him and ask him where he learned it, that immediately validates all these other things, right? And so then so you have that piece that was specific for him and what he played and where he was going, and but also nothing was about his older brother who was already on the team, right? right. It, it, you know, personalize like figuring out what he, one of the things that he said over and over in our conversation was just like it's not that hard to figure out what is the most important thing to someone. And so you personalize your message based on that. So that's different too than, than, you know, recruiting an offensive guy or recruiting a, you know, a quarterback in a class with another quarterback, but he's so good at figuring out how to make that stuff work. And then when you don't promise playing time, then, you know, a, that works on the, the hyper, hyper competitive guys, because they're probably going to get it anyway. But it'll push them. But then it also, again, we're talking about all these guys transferring because of expectations not matching reality. Becomes harder to do it for that specific reason when you're not going to have wild expectations. Yeah. it's he, He's honest. And he sets the stage. And so that honesty does set expectations. You're going to have to earn everything that you get. That's what, why the Julio anecdote is really interesting, right? Julio even said, he said, listen, he, he put me third or fourth on the depth chart. He didn't, he didn't just say you're going to come in and you're going to be the starter and you're going to be the all-world everything. Was he all-world everything? Absolutely. Especially because that when Julio got there, that was the time when Alabama basically just threw the ball to one guy and ran it every other play. But it's, it's wild that he said that he's like the most important recruit that he had at Alabama like to, for, for turning it around but also was willing to walk away and was just like, well, you can join us or not. Like we've got other receivers, but like, yeah. you know, but it's, we'll, it's, we'll win it's, without you. It's one of those things that to me, and I do think that detailed, the detail or being detail oriented because he doesn't think about outside stuff because he doesn't. And that doesn't mean he's not of the world. He is. He's, he's, I think he's one of the most remarkably self-aware and understanding of not just the college football landscape, but like our social the social landscape of America, he understands it very well. And he, under, like, he's a, he's a, grew up, he was a poor kid from West Virginia, right? He understands it very well. Like, that's, like, he gets it. He understands what's happening, the gravity, the value of all these things. And what he does is weave a sort of personalized, individual look at what, how he can help you be better, be better on the field, be better as a man, be better in what you want to do. And I think that's really important. And again, if you have not checked out how good do you want to be, check it out. Like it's a, I love it. And, but that ability to weave through those through lines, because for some guys, they don't need football. They're going to be okay. They just like playing. And the way you talk to that guy is a lot different than the way you talk to a guy who needs football. And then there's guys who they need football, but they don't have to get it from Alabama. They could get it from LSU or they could get it from A&M or they could get it from Ohio State or they can get, they can get all that stuff from there. So how do you dial into that guy? How do you dial in? Like, how do you dial into Landon Collins? Right? Mom wants you to go to LSU. Everybody thinks you're going to go to LSU. How do you dial into him? Hey man, I'm going to challenge you. You're like, cause Landon Collins was not a starter. Early on. Well, and in that something that other coaches use against them, right? They say you're right. not, you're going to be buried. You're going to be buried on the depth chart. All of these things. And to have all the counters, A, the success, the track record, but also that, like, I, I'm sure, 
you know, again, people are wired differently, but if you're a really, really talented guy who started every level of football you've ever played, to have to earn your spot in a place like this and like earn that level of respect, I'm sure there's more there's more validation. Like there's something that feels different about when you finally do it, when yeah. you didn't get handed it. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not to call it, call, like it's, I think that was one of the differences between, goodness gracious, was that 2008? Or Jamie, they, Clemson promised Jamie Harper he was going to get the first carry of the season and he got the first carry and guess what? Fumbled it. Alabama just proceeded to beat the wheels off of them. And I just can't imagine Nick Nick Saban had Najee Harris as number three on the depth chart. Mm-hmm. Najee, what? He's great. Yeah, and it just it's it is about earning it. And 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 and, and I think too, like this. And this is what was interesting because it was obviously focused on like the recruiting, like in your home yeah. phone calls, like what he's how you. Well, you know about his recruiting, right? Yeah, he has like very specific height, weight, speed, size, all the body style, arm length, and. He doesn't, he sticks to it. That's the other part I love is he sticks to it. Don't care if you're, if you're a five foot eight defensive back, that seems like you're all world, not interested because you're not going to fit into what I want to do. Cause you don't have the arms that are long enough to play some of the techniques I want. And so he finds all these guys that fit into the puzzle piece. He just keeps finding the best guys that fit into his puzzle pieces. One of his one of his former assistants said that he's the best evaluator of talent yeah. and that he can do the same amount as like an entire staff. And so all of the assistants have to be so on top of it with yeah. their evaluations because they have to do theirs before he can do his. So it's 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 so it's the details, it's the speci- the specificity and it's all of those things. And then to hear all of these players from every walk of life in every level mm-hmm including Mel Tucker, who didn't play for him, by the way, but has worked for him in three different stops, clearly yes. has uh, you know, an incredible relationship with him that ma- was maintained after yeah. he said no to Toledo. Um, the, the, the 40 years not for thing. It is catchy. Mm-hmm. It is sounds cliche. But all of these stories include, cause, and this is what was cool about talking to like all the former guys, like not the current Alabama guys, not the very recent right. Alabama guys, was all of these stories and notes that didn't even make the story too about all of the things that happen after college and the way that he helps and the way that he calls and when he checks in on this and and whatever it might be because you know that's part of his pitch right it's it's about like the person and um you know I I just think you can tell when people are genuine and when people aren't but to actually back it up and then to be able like you know to see these stories and um showing up you know at a high school hall of fame induction right you know, all of these different moments in people's lives or, or picking up the phone, um, you know, in a pivotal career moment or whatever it might be. That stuff um, matters. That stuff matters. It, it makes you feel like it does. It, it, it does. Like, I, and I'll st- like, Gunnar Brewer is who recruited me to UNC. I love him. Unequivocally, he is, he never, I didn't play wide receiver, but he's a wide receivers coach. I love him. And he has a lot of that same relationship type ability this guy he's a guy that texts and calls me on my birthday every year he doesn't have to do that I'm not helping him do anything but he shows up and he shows up for me and it's it's I guess ultimately I get increasingly frustrated when I see coaches not do that does that make sense yes and you know as you you were talking about the phone call stuff um just reminded me I did a story on Leonard Hamilton a couple years ago who's maybe the most underrated college basketball coach Mm -hmm. and the story was they had a a player was dealing with a death in the family and so they had to um they had to fly he he was going to leave from the sweet 16 site or elite eight site Mm -hmm. wherever it was and to to be there at like 6 a.m and he was talking to me about that like yeah i mean the wins whatever like a hall of fame coach but he was saying like what means more is like he gets calls on father's day and he's been invited to be in his former players weddings and stuff yeah. and it's like that type of thing and and you know kept thinking about that a lot in these, in these conversations about Saban um as well and you know the, the role that a college football coach plays for for these guys is is so important in in your life and your development and and that's you know one thing that I think makes um some coaches really good at college and some not as good in the NFL because like it's such a developmental phase in your life. Um, So I I just, I I had a lot, I had a lot of fun working on it. um, And it's great. 
Folks, and read the story. Subscribe to The Athletic. Read the story. What is it? Theathletic.com slash Nicole. Get yes. in there. Subscribe. Yep. It's a great It's a great story. Like, it's, again, it speaks to, that's the part of college football that I really love, that I care about. You know what I mean? Like, those relationships matter. Like, I know, I know guys, like, I've got teammates that I am close with. I know they still talk to Coach Bunning. I know, and it matters. Like, that stuff, and we talked about it off the top of the show, talking about the transfer portal, right? Where, that relationship that even if you don't go to their school, the relationship that you build with these guys, if you build a real, genuine relationship, you can lean on that. You can lean on it if you want to transfer, but you can also lean on it, as we see with Mel Tucker in this story, when you have to get to, when, you, when, you, when you're looking for that job or looking to further your career. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I absolutely, like, I, I love it. It's a great story. Been fun. Uh, you know what? I know we, we, we're going a little bit longer than usual, so I'm going to go something quick right here. Oregon's off auctioning off um, PEs, Player Edition Jordans, and they're, the money's going to fund the football NIL, which I think is amazing. This is a huge deal. This is a game, another game changer. This is something that Oregon has that most people don't, mm-hmm. if we're being quite honest. But it's a really cool way to, to help get these guys some extra cash because I don't know how deep in the sneakers world you are, but PEs are like impossible to get. I didn't know the acronym until right now. So <laughs> if that answers your question of how deep I am in the sneaker world, I think it does. Yeah. So we'll get that. So to me, the my flavor of the week is auctioning off PEs because I missed on those. <laughs> I miss. I missed on the Concord. I missed on the Concord, uh, uh, or not the Concords. I missed on the Cool Grays on Saturday because my phone broke. So by the way, look at this. Not a BlackBerry right now. Uh, what What is that? This is some Samsung something something. I don't okay. know. I don't know. How, I don't know how to use this thing at all. My BlackBerry doesn't get here for five more days, and then I can take this You're thing back and get back to life. Last person in the world to have a BlackBerry. Congratulations. It's maybe that's secure, why. Maybe that's why secure. it's hard to find and take most, five days. Yeah, it's the most. But it's the most secure mobile device. All right, what do you got? Flavor of the week, real quick, and then we'll do last call. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, mine's actually just straight up just going to be food. Um. Because I am. I've been traveling a bunch, and I'm finally home, and I'm gonna like make something delicious and you know, have the apartment smelling great, play some Christmas music or something. I don't know. I haven't done any holiday things yet. So I'm going to do all of those things. Do you um, have a tree? Are you going to, you're a tree I do person? not. Well, I've, I usually would get like a little fake tree, like a small one. Um, I haven't even done that. Probably too late at this point since I'm going to go to yeah. visit my parents in a week. Um, okay. So just real quick, you don't need to give me like play by play on this. We can have that conversation off air. Braised short ribs. Hard easy like one like give me very easy easy okay very easy should that be what i do this week yes i absolutely say go for it you can do them over grits you can do them over rice you can do them over mashed potatoes Mm. but all you have to do is you get that good sear on you you season them you get the good sear on the outside first then you get some vegetables some aromatics in there and then you put them back in there with your braising liquid i love to use red wine i'm sure you got a bottle of that laying around somewhere throw a little red wine put the lid on that dutch oven you throw it into the oven Three hours later, you've got mm. delicious fall off the bone, put it over rice. Then you can reduce the liquid, do a little pan sauce. You're done. You're good to go. Okay. That's happening. That's going to happen this week. Um, all right. Let's do our last calls. Um, so yeah. this is the this is the segment where we rant or rave about whatever we want, whatever we would be cheersing to at last call at a bar. Um, and, you know, I'm going to – yours is a little wholesome. So is mine. <laughs> I'll go first. Okay. I just as I mentioned off the top, I just got back from your home state and I was in Winston-Salem. The people there in the dash yeah. were uh, were lovely. There were all mm-hmm. these volunteers that were part of the uh, National Sports Media Association that were just so like kind and thoughtful and like were giving us airport shuttles at like four in the morning. I mean, it was just it was it was it was lovely. Um, so just a shout out to them. Also, the organization. It was just it was a lovely award ceremony and. I got to hang out with Justin Williams, our Cincinnati beat writer, and Grace Rayner, my bestie who covers Clemson for us. And it was just a delight. And there's not that many opportunities. Like, Felder, you and I live in Chicago, and we still don't yeah. see each other very often, right? Like, there's yep. just not a lot of opportunities where you actually cross paths with your with your close friends in this field. Because usually you're all covering different things. You live in different yep. parts of the country. So it was Working. just delightful to be around a lot of my friends in the profession. They're so talented. 
Um, and like Grace's family was there. My family was there. It was just, it was just a lovely, lovely experience. So I'm just in a very delightful mood and I'm cheersing to celebrating success and getting to hang out with my, uh, besties from the athletic CFB team. Look at that. I'll, I'll toast a liquid death to that. Bing. You really do like that. You are constantly drinking that. Does it really taste different than water? Tastes different than water. And the big, here's the kicker. Once I open a can, there is no top to screw back on. So you got to drink So it. I have to drink the whole thing. Okay, that part I get. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I still Hydration just, is through the roof right now. Okay, I drink regular water out of the tap, but you know. Okay. It, listen, I do too, but I don't drink nearly as much of it as I do with these cans. So I'm going to go with my last call because I got to order. I got to ship Liquid Death today to my <laughs> brother's house. No, I'm gonna get, are you really? I'm, Yes, I'm going to ship it to my brother's house so that I have it when I get there. I'm going home for the first time since 2019. My wife and kid are going back to Charlotte for the first time since 2018. We haven't seen, I haven't seen my brother. I haven't put eyes on my sister-in-law, my niece and nephew. I haven't seen them since summer 2019 when we were in Dewey Beach. So I'm very excited to get to see them on the home turf. I'm going to see a couple friends as well. But I get to have, my sister-in-law is Mexican, and they have their Christmas party, which means a full mariachi band in full effect. We're going to be drinking whiskey and tequila, a real deal last call at like four in the morning. Love that. Listening to like a live mariachi, hanging out. I cannot wait. I am so excited. And then just getting to hang out with my brother. I talked to my little brother for 90 minutes about what this trip is going to look like. And he said, one of the, he said, he gave me the green light. He said, Hey man, if you could cook dinner Thursday, Friday, maybe even Sunday, that would take a lot off our plate. We'd appreciate it. I said, don't worry. I got you. Sheet pan pizza on Thursday when I get there. We're doing burgers on, on Friday when I get there with double fried fries. We're going to go ahead and do a steak night on Sunday. And I got to make a, a lunch on Sunday too. We're doing chicken for lunch, steak for dinner. I'm, I'm going to be in my bag. I'm going to be at home. And my little brother did say something. And this is the last thing for me. He goes, I know you're excited to see your niece and nephew, but it also feels like you just want to go to Harris Teeter. I do love Harris Teeter. Yeah, that's the. It's my goat grocery store. Obviously, I haven't been to Wegmans. I don't live in New York. Wegmans is also amazing. There, I would still put Wegmans above Harris Teeter, but it's great. It's great. But I'm I'm going. I'm going. To, I get to go to my. I'm going to my brother's Harris Teeter, and then I get to go drive by my house, see how my house is doing, and then go to another Harris Teeter, and then go to my Harris Teeter. <sighs> it does sound like that's what you're most excited about. <laughs> so I feel like your last call is actually about Harris Teeter. To be honest. Yeah. Shout out I to think- HT, baby. All right. Let's wrap it there. Um, thank you, as always, for listening to Power Hour. If you're not already an athletic subscriber, as Felder said, you can sign up at theathletic.com slash Nicole for a special annual deal. One True Pod will be on this feed later this week with Max Olson, Jason Kersey, Sam Khan. Lots of that, lots for them to talk about. Then, of course, Andy Staples, Ari Wasserman. They'll be back with their usual antics later this week. And Felder and I will be back next Tuesday for the next episode of Power Hour. Thank you for listening.